If you have a Bible, turn it <clears throat> to the Psalms, to the Psalms. They're not the poems. Politicians shouldn't try to quote Bibles they know nothing about. It's not poems, it's Psalms. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to turn to chapter number five of the Psalms. If you don't have a Bible, you can write in, throw it away, or put it under glass somewhere so you can admire it. If your Bible is in your phone, make sure you've got an app that you can add notes to it and that you can make comments beside whatever it is is being taught. Amen? Now somebody give me 30 minutes because I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm going to rock and roll and lock and load. Somebody give me some water. I can feel a three-bottle night coming on. What are y'all laughing at? You used to have three shots at one time. Yeah, but I'm drunk on something what don't give no hangover. Living water. I don't have to snort it. I don't have to shoot it. I don't have to drink it. And I still get one toke over the line, sweet Jesus, hoping that the train is on time. Sitting downtown in a railway station, one toke over the line. Look at your neighbor and say, you might want to give me a little bit of room. Because tonight, I feel my praise coming. I ain't shouted right real good in several months, but tonight, you might want to give me a little bit of room because I'm about to take a run. <laughs> Write this down somewhere. Silence is the language of defeat. Shouting is the language of victory. If there's anything I know about Pentecost, it's loud. Somebody said, does it have to be so loud? Well, we can turn it up for you. Because, yeah, it has to be so loud. We don't have secret service Christians here, and we're not afraid that somebody is going to hear our voice. That book said, and the book is right, and they are wrong. I said, the book is right, and they are wrong. Are you filming me, Brother Amos? Well, get in here good and tight on my good side. You ready? There. Amen. I said, amen. There's power in the name of Jesus. Three people said a word. Now you have to remember I'm an audience participation preacher. What does that mean? That means if you don't shout, I don't preach. There are no spectators here. We are no longer just fans of the message. This is not a performance. You are not the audience. I'm not an actor. This is not a play. This is the real. Keep this close by. Silence is the language of defeat. Now, America has made an idol out of professional athletics. It's just an idol. And I'm, I'm not condemning you. I didn't say it was a sin to you. But the fact of the matter is, it has become idolatrous. And I have never seen the seventh game of the World Series get won and silence fill the stadium. We quote these little chivalrous of tradition. We have no idea what we're talking about. We're just spewing words. Does it have to be so loud? How many of you plan to go to heaven? 
I, I, I want you to shout. I didn't bring this truck out of here and all these television cameras for y'all to be quiet and not let America know what it's like to be a World Harvest Church Elkhart. You must, you maybe have a little bit of stage fright. Silence is the language of defeat and shouting is the language of victory. Clapping is the language of authority. Spinning is the language of warfare. Ah, glory. I said spinning is the language of warfare. Amen. Running is the language of freedom. Waving is the language of surrender. Be seated. I've got 15 more of those, but I'm not going to give them to you. Have you. I've just been doing this to give you time to find the book of Psalms and chapter 5. Have you found it? If you've got it, say, I've got it. I've got it. Something about the Holy Ghost, I can't explain it, but I got it. Yeah, I got it. Psalm chapter 5, we'll begin at verse 4. Now, my Bible may read a little different than yours because I'm reading tonight from the Message Bible. The Message Bible is, in my opinion, the translation for this generation. It is your language. It reads very different than the King James. But ifeth you wouldeth, liketh, foreth, meeth, toeth, doeth, ineth, the Kingeth, Jameseth, I certainly can. However, I think it's a little bit arbitrary. Psalm chapter 5, verse 4, it's so exciting. Don't you love God's Word? I said, don't you love God's Word? A lamp unto your feet a light unto your path. Don't you love God's word forever settled in heaven? Don't you love God's word? He holds it above his name. Don't you love God's word? Not one line of it will fall to the earth void of power, but it will accomplish everything that he sent it into the earth to do. Don't you love God's word? Psalm 107 verse 20 said, He sent his word and healed them, spirit, soul, and body, and in all that pertains to life and godliness. I'm going to read it now. Talking about God, the sweet psalmist of Israel, David, had these words to say. You, God, do not socialize with the wicked. He may have sat with sinners, but he did not sin with them. What fellowship has light with darkness? The sons of God with the sons of Belial. We've got a backslidden pulpit in America that tells people to win somebody to Jesus, you got to sit at the bar with them and throw down shots. You a liar, sir. I'm supposed to win you, not be like you. I'm supposed to come out from among them and be separate. Yeah, but God wants me to be happy. God never called you to be happy. God called you to be holy. And if you're holy, you'll have power. And the kind of power he's talking about, power over devils, power over demons, power over disease, power over death, power over Satan, power over sickness, power over sin. 
You, God, do not socialize with the wicked. So why do we? One good apple. I feel Brother Summerall's spirit. One good apple in a barrel of rotten apples will become another rotten apple. God, you don't socialize with the wicked. Now remember, this is David, the shepherd boy, the warrior king, psalmist, David. And he said, God, I, I've noticed something. You don't socialize, hang out with, entertain the wicked. But David became a low-life peeping Tom, first-degree murderer. And he didn't even have Netflix. David was saying, unlike me, God, peering over my balcony at Bathsheba, you are higher than me. You, God, don't socialize with the wicked. You don't invite evil into your house as a guest. Verse 11, but you'll welcome me with open arms when I run for cover to you. Get ready to shout. Here's where we are tonight in Pentecost. Let the party last all night. Let everything be confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Psalm 91.15 says, Call me and I will answer. God said, I'll be at your side in the bad times. I wish somebody'd shout. I wish somebody that needs a healing would shout. Somebody who doesn't have it all figured out yet would shout. Somebody whose kids all not saved yet should shout. Somebody that doesn't have more prosperity than you know what to do with ought to get to shouting right now. God said, I'll be at your times in bad times. I will rescue you. And then I'm going to throw you a party. We're going to have a Pentecost party. I get so weary with preachers. You know, you got them on both sides of the aisle. Everybody's got to polarize to one stream of the other. They're all so greasy, greasy that it doesn't matter what you do. That's a lie. You never find full truth at the extremes. It's never there. You find truth in the middle. I believe 
that even in America, a common sense consensus can be reached if we can just cut through the clutter of all of these conflicting, polarizing extremes. We use like all of them, those people, that color, this color, that socioeconomic advantage or disadvantage. And we are so polarizing ourselves that truth cannot be found. The prophet said, truth lies fallen in the streets. This side does it. They say it's from hell. When that side does it, they say it's from heaven. If I do it, it's from hell. If you do it, it's from, if I do it, it's from heaven. If you do it, it's from hell. Painting with these devilish, broad strokes and brushes. She just told me I've got 15 minutes left and I have not gotten through the text. If you don't recognize it, this is the gospel. From the dawn of creation, countries and kingdoms have found cause to celebrate. Now we got folks. No, these folks, they don't celebrate Juneteenth. Those folks, they don't celebrate the 4th of July. What, can, what, what are we dividing ourselves about? Here's the way I feel. If they a party going on, I'm getting my hat. <laughs> we celebrate from Christmas Day to Juneteenth to Independence Day. We prepare, we get ready for the pomp and the circumstance. Parties have punctuated our heritage. Always. We celebrate. Pentecost is a celebration. Pentecost is a party. But parties have also become the exclamation point of a loose living, sin-infected, corrupt culture. Trying to find joy and finding only happiness. Take, for instance, a young Nazarite named Samson. Laid his head in the lap of Delilah told her his secrets. The outcome? His enemies, the Philistines, threw a party. I refuse to allow hell to celebrate me. My Bible doesn't say preacher, blessed are you when your local newspaper puts you on the front page. That book says, and again the book is right and they are wrong. Shout now. I like your shirt. You're faithful. All right. I can party with you. All right. I I work alone. That book says, blessed are you when, how come ain't nobody putting this on Christian TV but me? Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake God said for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you 
Therefore, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward. So let the storm clouds rise. Let the dark clouds rise. They don't worry me. I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me and not of earth shall harm me for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. If you want me to hurry, just go ahead and clap right now. You're really listening. That's awesome. If you're enjoying yourself at the party tonight, clap. King Belshazzar was so consumed with his own personality and his inflated opinion of himself that he decided to throw his own party for himself. You're not supposed to throw your own birthday party. You're supposed to have some friends, some family throw your party for you. But Belshazzar was the king, and he said, I'm going to throw my own party. Raised the golden goblets which had been sanctified for temple worship in the house of God and defied the living God by so doing. Then he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. That very night, his enemies invaded the land. That night a hand invisibly wrote on a wall. That night Belshazzar died. King Herod threw a party. He was having a real good time. King Herod had taken his brother Philip's wife. He'd taken his brother Philip's wife and he threw a party. He said, let's celebrate this. So she brought out her 14-year-old virgin daughter. How to take off all her clothes. No HBO. And dance before him. Drunken, out of his mind, King said, young lady, I'll give you anything you want, up to half of my entire kingdom. The price of that party, the forerunner of Jesus, the prophet of God, John the Baptist's head on a silver platter. Today the party continues. Americans by the multiplied tens of Thousands have been duped by the party spirit. We've been duped. We've been sold a bill of goods. We believed a lie. And if we continue to believe it, we will be damned. Party spirit from the ballroom at the White House to the bridge night at your neighbor's house, from the glitter of a Las Vegas strip to the gutter of a Los Angeles alley, from Mardi Gras in New Orleans to the Halloween party at your local public junior high school, from the Macy's Day Parade to a backyard barbecue. It doesn't really matter whether their drinks are $3,000 a bottle Don Perignon sipped from silver stem glasses or Budweiser slurp from Dixie cups. It doesn't really matter if the attire is black tie or blue jean. It doesn't really matter if the drugs of choice are prescription Valium from your doctor 
or crack cocaine. The crime remains the same. Let's get this party started. Why, it takes little more than for somebody to jump up on their desk and shout, throwing their sweater around in a circle, thank God it's Friday, or Groundhog Day for that matter, for us to strike up the band and bask in the celebration. So with a lack of direction or discernment, either one, we search through our peer groups for acceptance. And we find only temporary satisfaction in smoke-filled, drug-infested parties that mask our pain and camouflage our cravings. Always remember this. There's a payday someday for this counterfeit celebration. And eventually, Satan himself will come with his crooked, outstretched fingers demanding you pay the cover charge. So the world out there beyond these walls with hunger in its heart, harrowing in its eyes, looks for a steeple somewhere in the neighborhood. They look for something called a church. Where they're supposed to find refuge, hope, joy, peace. When they get inside the thing, they find exactly what they could find at a self-help seminar somewhere. Listen. God did not save you to try to be better. That's what they preach out there. Come and shake my hand and join our church and don't go try to be a better person. I'm from the hills of eastern Kentucky. You don't know from nothing about eastern Kentucky. You think there's poverty around here. Lyndon Baines Johnson came to my town to announce the national war on poverty. He didn't go to the inner city. And the inner cities are not the most poverty-ridden areas in our country, despite what you gobble down from the crazy news media that want you to believe their narrative. Look it up. It's rural America. Where's the greatest drug epidemic? Not in the inner cities. In rural places. And mainly on Native American reservations that nobody ever seems to talk about. That world out there is hurting. Listen to what your Bible says about it. And you shall receive power after you start going to 45-minute church service once a week. I told you, Pentecost is loud. Your Bible said when the Holy Ghost came, you think I'm loud tonight, the building shook like an earthquake. There was motion, emotion, and commotion. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. I've listened to 75 preachers try to preach this weekend about Pentecost. And not a single one of them ever mentioned a soul. 
No idea why he even sent the Holy Ghost. He didn't send the Holy Ghost so you could talk in tongues. Shondai, Rondai, tie my bow tie, take a ride of my Honda. Should have bought a Chevy, but about a Dodge. I'm not mocking the gift of God. That's not the point. The point is, we've got Christians jumping around, talking in tongues, worshiping. They know not what. Worshiping their worship. Singing love songs. Sit in a bathtub, slit your wrist, love songs. That's not worship. It's soulish. It's not spiritual. The Holy Ghost is given to do for you what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. They thought I was going to be real deep. Most people are so deep they're stuck. He wants to change. I wanted to shout right there, but I held it back. Did you see? Isn't living for God fun? I said, isn't living for God fun? If it's not fun, you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. And if it's not fun, you're not winning souls. And you shall be witnesses unto me. How many souls do you went around here this week at World Harvest Church Elkhart? 229. 229 souls. Wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Everybody, everybody lock in here. Are you preachers listening? Are you listening? It takes the average church in the United States of America one year and $100,000 to win one soul. 85% of all born-again Christians who say they have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit will spend their entire Christian life and go to heaven and never win one soul. So somehow, we've missed it. What's this all about? Why are we here? Why do we need World Harvest Church Elkhart, this beautiful, glorious tabernacle? Why do, why do we need a pulpit and why do we need those lights? And why do we need these speakers and that screen? And Why? I mean, I can go to the Elks Club or the VFW. I can go to mall. And I can watch Dolly Parton sing. What do we, what do we, did you ever ask yourself, when you get to be my age, I heard you, lady. What, what is that? It's 64. And I'm like my pastor. I got more energy than a 14-year-old. this why do we need Valor Christian College why'd y'all get so dressed up tonight and fix your hair all nice and all that and, you know you could have been home watching I don't know C CNN or Fox News depending on your political persuasion <laughs> forgive me I'm just a truth teller Why do we do this? 
in a room with people and there are tens of thousands watching me tonight. We have staked not only our lives, but our eternity on this thing. This is not just an added social event once a week. This is life. Jesus said, the words that I say to you are spirit and they are life. That's not the reader's digest. That's the living word of God. It's living. It's effervescent. It's life-giving. It's life-changing. It's history-making. So that world out there, they're watching us, you know. They're watching us. We don't need the gospel reimagined. And preacher with 200 people, you're not Walt Disney. We don't need the gospel rethought. We don't need the gospel to be rewritten. And the Holy Ghost and Pentecost do not need a new definition. They need a new demonstration. Somebody needs to tell the truth. That world out there, man, with hunger in its eyes and a hole in its heart is looking to the church for answers. But to their chagrin, they find no love, no life, no laughter, no hope, no help, no happiness, gazing at the church. Whose garments are tainted and tattered and torn, they woefully exclaim, why would I ever want to join that bunch? They're mean. They're depressed. I went to the local bookstore and went through the Christian aisle and I said to my wife, I said, Christians must be the most depressed, lonely, insecure bunch in the world. It must be a staggering thing to God to watch us bow our knee and surrender to the very things he told us we had authority over. Greatest excitement most church folk ever see is a bingo night. You blow up toys for the kids. Maybe a spaghetti dinner. Because the church revels in its religion. Ritualizes its praise and its worship. Rejects any resemblance of life Dead. Shh. Dead. Without the good sense to go somewhere, lay down, and pull the covers over your head. We march in procession. Church begins at 10. We get there at 1020. Sit down. Listen to some funeral dirge or lovey-dovey to Jesus, effeminate male trying to lead worship. Listen to some preacher do his best to pump out three points in a poem. Our songs lack emotion. We manifest a mechanical gift a memorized shout, a taught tongue, a learned dance. We do the wave at the Notre Dame game. <laughs> or Michigan State, or Michigan. 
But boy, don't let some old fella shout his shout. We don't do that here. If that's what you're after, have at it. I'm looking for a party. I was looking for a party. I'm looking for some people that can say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. That's what I'm. There's another party in preparation. The curtain is rising on the final act of human drama. Don't tell anybody. Jesus is coming. Real, real soon. Faster than the fleetest hoof ever struck a pavement, faster than a wheel ever turned on an axle. He's coming. And if you're blood bought and you're blood washed, if you're Holy Ghost filled, if you're fire baptized, when the magnificent magnitude of his perfect person sweeps out from north to south and east to west, you're coming off the surface of this crusty people planet. It won't matter if you're four miles under the earth in a coal mine or flying around at 51,000 feet in a space shuttle. You're coming out of here. I heard you. I just, I just received a, a directive. Charles Finney, one of the great, 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 great preachers of all time. Charles Finney would send in prayer teams for 30 days before he would preach. Do you know at Pentecost, they prayed for 10 days and they preached for 10 minutes. Now we preach for 10 days and pray for 10 minutes. It's no wonder we have so many failures. Charles Finney. was about to graduate from law school. He went in to meet with his academic advisor. Of course, they had become friends. His advisor was sitting there behind that great mahogany desk, stroking his goatee, pipe in his mouth circle of smoke like a wreath around his head like Santa Claus at Christmas time. He looked over the brim of his glasses at Charles Finney and he said, well, Charles, you're about to graduate. Yes, sir, said Charles. I'm about to graduate. Wonderful. What then? Oh, then I'm going to go into practice. I'm going to make a lot of money. Good for you. What then? Oh, I've got my eye on a young lady. I expect to ask her to marry me. I expect we'll have a beautiful family. That's wonderful. What then? Well, I suppose I'll retire. 
and live out my days in great joy. I hope you do. That's wonderful. And then he paused and said, what then? Finney, having a very high intelligence quotient, said, I suppose then I'll die. I suppose so. What then? I was just apprehended by the Holy Spirit I'm preaching about tonight right over there. And he said to me, they can't fully receive the Holy Spirit because they are as of yet not born again. What does it mean be born again? It's a funny kind of saying. Jimmy Carter popularized it. He was the first president to announce in the modern age that he was born again. What does it mean? Born again. Jesus came to Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, good master, what must I do to be born again, to receive eternal life? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, I know all you modern preachers want to redefine it. I prefer to use the red words written in red. Jesus said, you must be born again. Huh. And then... And then Jesus answers the question with three interpolated negatives. Rather than tell him what would cause him to become born again, Jesus told him how you're not born again. He said you're not born again by the flesh. What does that mean? You didn't get it from your daddy and your mommy. You didn't get it because you were born into it. Every other major religion in the world, you are born into. Naturally. But not what Jesus was talking about. Your daddy could have fallen off the bar stool drunk and beat your mother every night. But you don't have to. Your mother could have left you on a doorstep somewhere, but you don't have to. What's he talking about? The same thing the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, all things pass away and all things become new to him. He becomes, according to your Bible, a new creature, a new species of being that has never existed before. God doesn't want you to try to be better. He wants to make you different. unrecognizable to yourself, to your family, to those that you work with, to those that you go to school with, they'll know something has changed. Wow. You'll know it too. Then he said, you can't be born again by the will of men. What does that mean? By trying with your will to be a better person. Do you know that God loves you? Most people don't. They might mentally assent to it, but they don't know it. They think God loves the person in front of them. They think God loves the preacher. They think God loves the church. But me? Like, 
really love me? That's what he wants to show you. That if you had been the only one, he still would have sent his only begotten son to that rugged, angry, mean, biting being to shed his blood and give his life for you. He loves you. He doesn't love you because you get it right. He loves you in your fidelity and your infidelity. He loves you when you get it right. And he loves you when you get it wrong. He loves you in the morning sun and in the evening rain and everything in between. God has an issue. He just can't stop loving you. He loves you. And he wants to give you eternal life that begins now, not when you go to heaven. <laughs> what then? What about tomorrow? Somewhere in the basement of some funeral home somewhere, your casket may already be sitting there. That Bible says tomorrow's promise to no one. You may have laced your shoes for the last time. Some of you should not be in such a hurry to get out there. There may be a semi-truck waiting on you. The problem with people is they think they're going to live forever. Job said, when I think about God, when I consider him, I fear him. Eternity's waiting. We're just in the dressing room. Oh, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But your Bible says that you cannot receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, until first you're born again. The Bible says, I will send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive. Well, before you're born again, you're the world. So you have to be born again. And then you can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the baptism of power and authority, the baptism of great strength and dominion. But I feel the tug on my heart that somebody is not ready to go to heaven. Being born again gets you ready to go to heaven. The baptism in the Holy Spirit gets you ready for earth. Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. Please put that prayer number up on the screen for the many tens of thousands who are watching right now. That prayer number is there for you. It's there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're the only ministry in America that does it. It's there for you right now. Don't go to hell for anyone, my friend. It's just not worth it. Eternity is a very, very long time. Hell was not made for you. It was made for the devil and his angels. If you go there, you'll be an intruder on him for all of eternity. Tonight, you have a choice to make. It's a simple one. God said, I put before you death and life, heaven and hell, blessing and cursing. And then he says, you choose because God sends no one to hell and he forces no one into heaven. He so values your freedom that he right now gives you the opportunity to choose. Choose God. Choose life. Choose blessing. Choose victory. Choose power. Choose comfort. In a moment, I'm going to count to three just because I want to. And when I say three, if you want to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are as sure for heaven as if you were there right now, I want you to raise your hand. If you want to know beyond all doubt that your sins are forgiven, 
that you're born again, that you're a new creature. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you as a representative of Jesus Christ who tells you tonight, God still loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He hasn't turned his back on you. You haven't done anything so vile that could ever make God not reach his hand out to you right now. Jesus is doing that. Will you reach back? He said, everyone that will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. Don't you want it? I know you do. When I say three, more bravely and boldly than you've ever done anything in your life, I want you that are watching to type in the word me. That's all I need you to do. Type in the word me. And then I want you to call that number on your screen. I'm ready. We've had to triple the prayer lines in the last two weeks for the volume of people calling in to give their lives to Jesus. That world out there is a scary place. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Oh, what a friend he is. Will you do it? This time tomorrow I may be in heaven and you may not be. I pray not. Make the decision right now. You'll be glad you made when you stand before God in eternity. Do it right now. On three, type in me. On three, across this beautiful tabernacle in Elkhart, Indiana, when I say three, Raise that hand in the air. We'll pray. At the end of that prayer, you'll be on your way to heaven, born again, ready to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, ready to go home a brand new man, woman, boy, girl. This is your moment. Break the chains. You can be free. On three. Are you ready? Raise that hand. One, two, three. Raise it and leave it up. Don't put it down for any reason. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, thirty people in this room saying yes to Jesus. Somebody give him praise, give him glory. But what about you? What about you watching? This is your moment. Call that number. Type in me. Leave me your email address. I've got beautiful materials I want to share with you. I want everybody in this building right now to stand, please. Reverence to the Holy Spirit. We love him so much. Everyone, everyone, please. Just standing for a moment. I'm going to ask those of you that raised your hand to raise it one more time right now, and we're going to pray. You say, I don't know how to pray. Good. Pray with me. Everybody in the building, you there at home, just repeat my words, and God will do what we asked him to do. Are you ready? Yes. Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. I come because I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Only you have never sinned. Only you can give me forgiveness. So I ask for it now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I accept you as my personal savior. I believe that you're the Son of God, that you were crucified, and that on Easter you raised from the dead. Tonight, I confess you as my personal Savior. Give me eternal life, and I'll live for you 
as you show me how. Thank you. I am a Christian on my way to heaven. And I'm so glad about it, I could almost throw a party. Amen. Amen. Well, glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now lift both hands. Lift both hands and say, tonight, I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I have power from another world. I receive it. I believe it. I accept it. It's mine. I have power. Thank you, Jesus. Now give him praise and give him glory. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.